Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Thank you for being here and spending part of your day with us. Today, Steve Butler brings us part 11 in the series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy? And then Marvin McIlvaney will bring a very special Bible in the News report. Watchman on the Wall is here each day to bring clarity to the chaos and remind everyone who tunes in that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. One of the ways we do this is by producing the best books and DVDs by the best teachers and speakers. All this month, we have a special section on our website full of deeply discounted resources. So be sure to check it out, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And don't miss out on any of the important topics and information that is shared in our free e-newsletter, A Moment of Prophecy. The latest insight and analysis from our speakers and access to our latest resources. Sign up today for the free e-newsletter, swrc.com, or simply give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. And if you prefer the mail, you can receive our free monthly updates through the mail. It's the same great information, just delivered through the mail. SWRC.com or call 1-800-652-1144. Friends, we are here for you. If we can ever pray for you, please just let us know by calling our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. Now, it's time to open our Bibles and join teacher Steve Butler as we continue our series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy? Point in number five that we're in in today's program of understanding you can't really understand the New Testament fully without studying the Old Testament. You get a more full overview and understanding of the New Testament when you do spend the time in the old. So that's what we're looking to do here because we're looking at New Testament references where Jesus, where Paul, as we've talked about in Luke and in Acts 17, and then Jesus in Acts, um, or excuse me, Apollos in Acts 18, uh, where he um, is using the Old Testament scriptures as did Jesus, as did Paul, to make the point about Jesus Christ being the Messiah, Jesus Christ uh, having to fulfill Scripture by going to the cross, being buried, and being gloriously resurrected on the third day. And now we're going to uh, go to the end of the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 28. So if you turn in the book of Acts, so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts 28. And we're going to look at uh, verses 23 to 29. So I'll read those, and then we'll um, kind of break those down and see where we, uh, what we can learn about the need for exploring Bible prophecy. So in Acts 28, starting at verse 23, When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. 
Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul, after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers. So this is Paul speaking. He's in Rome in prison, and he's speaking the words of Isaiah now. Verse 26, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. Verse 27, For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. They will also listen. Verse 29, And when he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. So when we go back and look at this passage of Scripture, this is Acts 28, and we've read 23 through 29, we're seeing that Paul was persu- trying to persuade them solemnly, testifying, looking at verse 23, testifying about the kingdom of God and using the Scriptures that they were familiar with, the Old Testament Scriptures that talked about Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. So that clearly shows you um, by evidence there that we're talking about the Old Testament. That's Moses and the prophets. And he did it from morning to evening, trying to persuade these people. And it says that some of the Jews believed, but a number of them would not believe. And they got into disputes, and they broke up, and they left. But they didn't leave until Paul made this one uh, strong statement to them, quoting Isaiah And this is really from Isaiah chapter 6 with verse Uh, 9. It's saying to the people that you're going to hear, but you're not going to understand. You're going to see, but you're not going to perceive. And what he's trying to tell them is there were Jews that had been taught wrong doctrine. Just as today there are churches that teach wrong doctrine. It's not a doctrine that is supported by a thorough, literal study of the scripture. And basically what it's saying, if you follow along here, you'll notice that it talks about you have eyes, but you don't see, you have ears, but you don't hear. In verse 27, for the heart, and this is when he's referring to the heart, this is where your belief resides. You've got a brain that can analyze and can come to an understanding, but when you really believe something, it moves down to your heart. In fact, one of the little um, sayings is that there's 18 inches between heaven and hell, and it's the 18 inches between your brain and your heart. If your understanding of who Jesus is doesn't become a belief and move from your understanding brain to your believing heart, then you're not saved. That you can be very educated about what the Bible has to say, but not believe it in your heart, and therefore you're not 
a Christian. And what he's saying here is that the Jews had been taught wrong doctrine, and they had taken that and placed it in their heart as their belief. And because of that wrong doctrinal belief in their heart, their eyes were not seeing clearly, and their ears were not perceiving accurately. I hope you understand that, because that's what's true of a lot of people today, because they have believed what we call deductively. They have been told by the pastor, they've been told by their grandmother, their grandfather, somebody that they've held in high esteem who has unfortunately taught them bad doctrine. And in this case, these were the Judaizers who were teaching the Jews that you needed to have faith in Moses, you had to have faith in belief in Abraham, that if you you were in the bloodline of Abraham, that you would, you would be accepted into the kingdom of this coming Messiah. And of course, that's all not true. We know that it's the belief in the blood sacrifice of Jesus, his death, burial, and glorious resurrection is all we need to believe in. But they were told that's not true. So they had that in their hearts. So whenever Paul talked to them or anyone shared the accurate scripture with them, they were dismissing it because that's not what my rabbi or my pastor or my faithful Christian relative has told me. So therefore, their eyes and their ears were misunderstanding what was being said. And that was the case with Paul here. And Paul was admonishing him and says in the verse 27, uh, towards the middle of the verse there, it says, otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and I would heal them. And what he's saying is, open up your heart. Let your heart listen uh, with your ears and see with your eyes what is being uh, presented to you, whether you're reading the Scripture and it's being taught to you through the Holy Spirit, or you're listening to a good pastor who's sharing accurate doctrine, literal doctrine from the Bible, that you would see with your eyes and you would hear with your ears and then you would take it into your heart. And that's the proper way that it should be done. And that's called inductive Bible study, that you let the Holy Spirit lead you and don't come at the scriptures with a preconceived idea, but let the Holy Spirit teach you what the facts, what the truths are of God's word, and let that be uh, brought into your heart and, 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 and treasured and buried in your heart as your belief. That's the, the true, the accurate way to, to study the Bible and let the Holy Spirit teach you. And that's what Paul was trying to do. And it says the Jews, because of what they had been previously taught, were not seeing and were not listening to him. And they were turning away and they were missing this whole free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ that had been presented. What a, what a terrible loss that is. But that happened 2,000 years ago with Paul, and it's happening today, and it's been happening over that same 2,000-year period. The wonderful gift of salvation has been offered to us very simply in the Scripture. If we would simply open our eyes and our ears to receive it into our heart and believe it. But because we've been misled, we've been improperly taught, we are not hearing and seeing the true word. It's, it's been distorted, and therefore our salvation can basically uh, be in question. So we need to uh, open up our hearts to the Scripture. And that's the point I really wanted to get across there 
was that it was using the Old Testament, the law of Moses, as it says in verse 23 of Acts 28, the law of Moses and of the prophets. And he was using that to persuade them. But many of these Jews there in Rome were not opening their eyes and opening their ears to receive the truth and consequently went away lost. All right, let's let's move on. And the last scripture that we have is in Romans, Romans chapter 15. So you're in the book of Acts uh, right now, and let's go to the right. Go to the right, and we'll come to the book of Romans. And we want to go to the very end of Romans, uh, one chapter before in chapter 15 of the 16 chapters. And let's go to chapter 15, verse 1. Now we, this is Paul talking to uh, the Romans, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may be with one voice, glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we find here in these, these uh, first six verses of Romans 15? We find that our responsibility, the more we study the Bible, the more we see the flow of events from the Old Testament justifying and verifying the events of the New Testament and bringing them into a greater sense of clarity. As we grow in that knowledge, we have a responsibility to share that information with those, as it says in verse 1, bear the weaknesses of those without strength, that it's our responsibility that we should not be studying the Word, as it says, just to please ourselves to go around saying, well, I know the scriptures. That makes me pretty uh, pretty impressive. Not at all. Humility and humbleness are the key to the whole thing. The more you study God's word, the more you learn, and therefore you have more responsibility to share that with others. And our responsibility is to properly understand the whole flow of God's word from Genesis to Revelation, from Old Testament to New Testament, and to be able to accurately and clearly tie those together because we're admonished in verses 5 and 6, who gives perseverance and encouragement, grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. In other words, according to his word, be of the same mind. And then in verse 6, and with one accord, in other words, one agreement, you may be with one voice glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we would take the time to pray to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives to guide us into an understanding of the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation and let him do that so that we literally understand it, we would all be of one voice as they were in the first century church 
when Christ was glorified back to heaven, that first century church knew knew the scriptures because they knew the Old Testament. That's that's the admonishment that we have before us today. Will we be like them of one voice and one accord as we study the scriptures? Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation is an excellent book to continue your study of Bible prophecy. One of the chapters is written by Steve Butler. There are also chapters by Larry Spargimino, Kenneth Hill, and Noah Hutchings. Order your copy of Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Another outstanding resource is the book What's Next by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next looks at the different views people hold to concerning the end of the age. Order both Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation and What's Next. Call 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order at our website, swrc.com. Our mission at Watchmen on the Wall is through Christ to bring clarity to the chaos. One of the ways we do that is with our next segment, that looks at the world around us in light of God's Word. Here's Marvin McIlvaney with today's Bible in the News report. John chapter 3 verse 8 says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Let me say that another way. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You can hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. Jesus has been explaining this to Nicodemus, that in order to see the kingdom of God, one has to be born again. Nicodemus doesn't understand. So Jesus responds in verse 8. The Holy Spirit is not a what, but a who. He has a mind of his own, which is the mind of God. He has a will of his own. He saves who he wants. He cannot be controlled by us. Rather, it is we who submit to being controlled by Him. Those of us who believe often think about how we came to believe. We didn't see it coming, at least I didn't. Being saved never entered my mind until the wind blew and I got saved. Now it all makes sense. Think about it when you ask the Lord to save one of your family members or a friend. How do you think He would save them? Your family member or friend has the free will to make choices for which they will be held accountable. But Jesus made it clear that we must be drawn by God in order to come to Him. You can read that in John 6:44. When you pray for the Father to save your family member or friend, you pray for Him to do the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, that the wind will blow in their direction. The wind. The Greek word for wind is pneuma. This is also the word for spirit and breath. Jesus is making a connection with a little wordplay. You can't see the wind. You can only see the effects on the material that gets blown around by it. You can see the trees move and the dust swirl around. You can't actually hear the wind either, unless it is acting on an object in its way. You can hear the rustle of the leaves on a tree, or it's howling outside your Oklahoma window. The way to see the movement of the Holy Spirit of God is by His effect on those with whom he comes in contact with. The Spirit's movement can cause the person to act differently in a better way. 
They stopped smoking and drinking and they changed their ways. You could see healing and deliverance and life transformation. But he is in charge of where he goes and what he does. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. We are called to rely on, to walk in, and to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are born of the Spirit should feel constant gratitude for God's mercy on us. That we have been born again is nothing short of a gift of pure mercy. So it caught my attention that a prominent atheist group has issued multiple complaints accusing an Indiana sheriff's office of pushing Christianity onto inmates after hundreds of detainees have been baptized in recent years. An attorney for the Wisconsin-based Freedom From Religion Foundation has fired off multiple letters to former Decatur County Sheriff David Durant accusing the Decatur County Detention Center of multiple constitutional violations by, quote, promoting Christianity and coercing detainees into participating in religious exercises, close quotes. On December 29th, the sheriff's office posted photos on its Facebook page of dozens of inmates being baptized. What a great way to celebrate Christmas and a new year. Chaplain David Burnett, along with REC members, baptized nearly 40 men and women after a personal, public profession of Jesus Christ in their lives, the Post said. Over the past four years, nearly 300 men and women have given their life to Jesus Christ while incarcerated at the Decatur County Detention Center. All glory to God. On January 13th, Foundation Staff Attorney Christopher Line wrote a letter to Durant who is no longer sheriff, complaining that his office had not heeded a previous complaint letter he sent last July. The letter demanded that the jail cease its promotion of an official affiliation with Christianity on its official social media pages and through its religious events, programs, and activities in violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Durant, who left office on January 1st following a four-year term as sheriff, emphasized both faith-based and non-faith-based rehabilitation programs for inmates during his tenure, according to the local paper Greensburg Daily News. It is important to note here that the sheriff used faith-based and non-faith-based rehabilitation programs. It wasn't just faith-based programs. These men and women were free to pick and choose what program they were interested in, what program would help themselves most. The Holy Spirit was blowing through the jail, but not everyone felt it. Durant told the local outlet in 2019 that, quote, everyone knows that the longest distance to travel is the 18 inches between the head and the heart. If you can change the heart during that journey, everything will follow suit, whether it be alcohol, drugs, or poverty that are creating the cycle. We only have to change their hearts to stop the process, Durant said. Durant recounted how an inmate whom he had personally arrested twice sent him a note thanking him for the program. In the Freedom From Religion Foundation's January letter, the foundation accused the jail of, quote, actively coercing inmates to participate in its religious programming. Any inmate aware of the jail's official support for and celebration of Inmates participating in religious programs will not feel free to decline to participate, close quotes. I thought jail was supposed to rehabilitate people so that they could become a responsible member of society. 
whether it's a faith-based program or a non-faith-based program, isn't the result the most important thing? To have people change their ways? State prison officials have said they hired the religious group to improve inmate behavior and reduce recidivism, not to promote Christianity. Ministry President Mark Early said in a statement Friday that the group believes its program is constitutional. It has attacked the right of people of faith to operate on a level playing field in the public arena and to provide services to those who volunteered to receive them. Shouldn't the prisoner be allowed to decide which program he or she may want to follow? It's not like the prisoners are being forced to attend faith-based programs. The jailers are not saying, if you don't attend these classes, you won't get out. And besides, not all prisoners want to attend these programs. The wind may be blowing in the jail, but not all of them are hearing it. It's not like the COVID vaccines where people were fired if they didn't take the vaccine. Some doctors were all in favor of them, and other doctors were against the vaccine. Those who were against it were terminated, along with nurses, military personnel, and lots of government workers. Carl Bonnet worked as a weatherman on TV in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. But Bonnock's time as the chief meteorologist for news station TV6 came to an abrupt end. He was fired after refusing to comply with the vaccine mandate imposed by his station's corporate owner. Quote, I just did not want to take the shot, says Bonnock, who was 68. I felt it was my right as a human being and a citizen of the United States to decide what I put in my body. There were a lot of men and women who lost their jobs because they refused to get a COVID vaccination. Put all this in light of the Supreme Court's recent overturning of Roe v. Wade. What did the majority of women say? That's right. My body, my choice. Or, keep your laws off my body. You can't have it both ways. You can't demand people take a shot, but then demand they can't hear the gospel. And so it is with people in jail. Let the prisoners decide if they want to attend these programs. If they don't want to, then just let them do their time. The wind will continue to blow. You can't stop it. Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation is an excellent book to continue your study of Bible prophecy. One of the chapters is written by Steve Butler. There are also chapters by Noah Hutchings, Kenneth Hill, and Larry Spargimino. Order your copy of Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. Another outstanding resource is the book, What's Next? by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next? looks at the different views people hold to concerning the end of the age. Order both books, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation and What's Next? Call 1-800-652-1144 or go online, swrc.com. And don't forget to get the latest issue of the Prophetic Observer Newsletter, which is out right now. Celebrating 30 years of keeping time on God's prophetic clock, it's the Prophetic Observer Newsletter. Subscribe today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Thursday on Watchman on the Wall, staff evangelist Josh Davis will share the latest information and insight on the march toward a one-world system. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com.